Hello everyone, welcome back to the Open Bar Experience. I am your host, David Thackeray. I'm a hospitality professional with two decades of experience in the bar and restaurant industry. My pursuit in this podcast is to have difficult conversations of our industry and of society as a whole. Hello again. It is November the 9th, 2020. Obviously, November the 3rd, 2020, election day has already passed. And we're at the point where projected winner with the majority, the grand majority, nearly all the votes already counted. It is Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. That's going to be our new administration. But in two, true character to self, uh, 45 is uh, not accepting it and causing trouble for the sake of giving everyone a big headache. I did have a much longer in, uh, intro to this, but I, I had a great conversation with um, Gilberto uh, Marquez, uh, global brand ambassador from Ilegal Mezcal. And so I wanted to actually leave that rather than, than, than doing a long intro. However, I do want to say this before we get into that is this is not over. Um, everything that is happening legally right now with this administration here in the United States is is setting things up for the midterm coming up in 2022 as well as 2024. And, when it, and, and although you might not think that is legally setting anything up, but it's actually is the mindset of conservatives uh, that is being uh, solidified and um, and given validity. Uh, to use tactics like Trump is using right now, which is not accepting defeat and simply um, tying things up as long as they can in uh, le- in the in the legal courts, in courts, and it's it's basically establishing the new norm, and that's what that is. And unfortunately, we have a terrible new norm um, that we're gonna have to mitigate as much as possible and quite frankly i think that liberals democrats um need to uh, dictate uh, how that new norm is going to be uh, managed so that's all i have to say right now about that my interview again is with uh, Gilberto marquez uh we mainly talk about everything that has to do with uh, our culture or backgrounds um and within the um issues that are have popped up within the industry um, as well as in society and um, what is it really that that we have to do and one of the things that I point out is you know we need to start focusing more on on the love of our community and the love uh, for our families because this has been a four years of hatred um, uh, this administration has done everything to to instigate hate uh, not just on their side but also, on people who oppose them. They, they, they want to troll and antagonize uh, people who don't support them, and, um, which is very dangerous. Just focus on the love of your family and your community and, uh, and you fight against it with that because that's going to be able to give you the stamina necessary to, to do what needs, what's coming next. And I believe that this is, you know, for the past 40 years, I've been watching um, this far right uh, develop and, and 
maybe for 20 of those years, I really didn't understand what it was. I just saw it as this ugly thing that seemed to be getting louder. And over the last 20 years, has been very clear that this is a, this is a movement that has gained uh, a lot of inertia. And um, in this administration, it gained uh, legitimacy. So that said, <clears throat> let's go ahead and uh, get into it. Are you um, from Southern California? Are you, I'm from you, Orange County. Orange County. I am from the Red Blip. <laughs> oh, shit. In, uh, in, in Southern, Southern California, as uh, Gustavo Arellano says, you can have the, the, the most fresh off the boat immigrant come in and start living in orange county all of a sudden they're republican so yeah. I'm, I'm writing that line i'm writing that line <laughs> where, where sometimes i want to teeter but then i remember uh, I, I was i was talking to my my cousin who's also from orange county and he was telling me uh man donald trump's gonna win huh and i go i don't know why do you say that he's like oh but all my homies are like posting like pro-trump stuff and i'm like well all of our homies are like from Orange County. <laughs> like, I'm like, there's a whole, there's, there's a whole universe outside of this. So, um, so that's one of the things. Uh, but, but um, early in my life, I, I, I started to travel. Um, I've lived in Texas. Oh. Um, uh, I lived in uh, uh, outside of uh, outside of Austin. Um, actually, in Georgetown. I lived in Georgetown. Yeah. Okay. Um, they have a Walmart. <laughs> you have it yeah i know <laughs> it makes it official uh, yeah yeah yeah. so um <clears throat> i lived there uh because I, I i was training uh for boxing so i went when lived in georgia uh my dad felt it would be good for me to go live somewhere where there's nothing uh um, yeah it's it, it was beautiful it's beautiful it's just you know and there wasn't much to do but uh, i lived in georgetown uh, i lived in uh, uh atlanta for a long time uh for a short stint in uh, arizona uh, for about four years in New York. So I, I don't really consider myself from anywhere. Um, I, I kind of just float around. Yeah. Oh, I love Atlanta. Um, oh, I dude, I love Atlanta. Uh, I, I think, um, I think that that's probably where, um, I'll end up moving. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of bouncing around everything. Uh, my wife and I were like, uh, New Mexico, Arizona, I don't know, Atlanta. I don't know. Yeah, I, it's kind of exodus right now. Yeah, I mean, all those places are so interesting. I mean, in New York, you know, it's this, this incredible international uh, city. And in Atlanta, is this, uh, I don't know when you were there, but I mean, for the for quite a while now, it's been this up and coming city with uh, an, an incredible um, culture. Um, mm -hmm. And then you were in, in the part of Texas to where pretty much like, you know, you know, Texas is. Once you get past uh, San Antonio, there's nothing out there. And Austin and San Antonio are, you know, so close together yeah, yeah. that, like, you were in that part once it gets, it gets into no man's land. No man's land. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, I loved it. Um, it you know, I, I would just uh, get up early in the morning and go jogging and then come back home and eat eggs and then go to the boxing gym. That's all I did. So you, you uh, trained amateur or you trained pro? I was training for pro, um, but I, I, I took a step back and realized how, uh, realized what my life would be. Um, I, I was always going to have this rich person uh, kind of controlling what I have to do, who I have to fight, all of that stuff. And I, you know, and, and that's, that, that could be the same thing for any job. 
Yeah. Um, but, have- uh, but I, but, but I wanted to, I, I, I want to feel independent. Yeah. Uh, and, and I didn't feel that when I was playing or when I was, when I was boxing or, or in, in professional sports in, in general, you're always kind of tied to something I, I, I would imagine. Yeah. Especially with boxing. I mean, I grew up in Puerto Rico and you know, that there were two things there when it came to sports, there was, uh, there was baseball and there was boxing and, uh, and I, and so I didn't like baseball. So I went with the boxing and the thing is, is there were a couple of people in, in the neighborhood that, you know, were pro level, uh, athletes, but they wouldn't commit, uh, to it. And, yeah. and the thing is, is when you look at who makes it in, in, in that type of sport in any, in a combat sport, um, tends to be people that come from, you know, pretty hardcore, uh, environments. And, uh, so the structure that you're talking about tends to keep some people out of trouble. And that's, yeah. you know, that's for, for those that choose it is like, well, this is the only thing that's going to keep me from just spiraling out of, out of control. Yeah. Uh, for me, uh, for me, it was sort of that, but I always had, uh, I think, uh, a lot of people would say the tyranny of will of not letting the fact that I am a high school dropout <laughs> uh, not letting the fact that I, I, you know, the neighborhood where I grew up in, I, I never wanted to let that get in my way. Um, and so through sheer tyranny of will, I've been able to get, uh, to a different level that I think that a lot of people who have the same upbringing as me, um, would have. Uh, but, uh, with that, when I was training, um, I was talking to this rich lawyer who, uh, was just doing it to work out. And he looked at me and he's like, Gilbert, um, you're so articulate and uh, you're such a nice person. I hope you stop boxing before that changes. And that always stuck in my head a little bit. And then I also seen some of the same people that were in the weight class that I was, same upbringing, uh, go on to be champion of the world, fight in Germany and all of this stuff. And then still like be driving around in a little, you know, the car and, and so I, like that was heartbreaking for me so i'm like you know what like it doesn't seem fair it doesn't Damn. seem like you get a fair shot uh and the- and you give everything yeah and i had a resentment for people who would watch boxing and fighting sports and would like yell and like throw beer i actually when when i was growing up i had i had a, a pinocchio moment you know like when pinocchio is going through the circus and like there's these big monsters coming down and going ah, 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 and smoking yeah. cigarettes, cigars and <laughs> i had one of those moments and this is why i don't like las vegas uh not not like the people in the actual space but just uh, the experience that i had in las vegas uh or or, or i don't uh, i don't often drink beer um because i just remember the smell of beer the smell of cigars and then like these big men like yelling and screaming and and and, oh, and wow. cussing out this person who's going through war yeah on a stage so it, for me it just didn't make sense i don't know I, I i i sometimes i get lost in my head but i came to the conclusion that it doesn't make sense for me yeah well i mean it's it's war for entertainment right and it's yeah. it's war in, against two individuals so it's is at a small enough scale but you're right. I mean, it sounds like the, you saw, you knew what the sacrifice was and uh, the people that you knew weren't getting the spoils of war. Well, uh, also um, in my family, uh, you know, Juan Manuel Marquez, who is like the 
you know, other than Julio Cesar Chavez, like the Mexican fighter and, and Canelo is like the new generation. Yeah. But uh, Juan, Juan Manuel Marquez, the guy who knocked out Manny Pacquiao, yeah. used to sleep um, on a bunk bed with me in Anaheim when he would fight at the Arrowhead Pond. So I seen how it could catapult into something beautiful where he's, yeah. you know, like on speed stick commercials in Mexico City and like all of this beautiful stuff. So I seen that, but I, I just I, I didn't want to risk it, I guess. I just don't have that. I just don't have that anger in me. You got to You got to have something, uh, whether it's like your father, like pushing you to no end where you resent him and, and carry that anger, you know, because he's your trainer into the ring and stuff. I never really I, I kind of had it. I, I kind of had it nice uh, at a good family, uh, relatively. Um, so I never really had that anger that would push me, I think, to be uh, as aggressive and as uh as as a great a warrior as some of the people who are out there in professional doing this so i you know i was able to be pragmatics take a step back and say you know what not for me and i started bartending um and uh that was sort of my transition uh because i wanted to become a chef because it see so like you, you see that that the the personality starts to come out where you know like i'm doing this boxing stuff and you know it's like one of these things that came natural but I, you know i didn't have that in me uh, it, I was always more of a creative. And so I wanted to become a chef, but it obviously never happened because I didn't have money to go to these chefing schools. And I didn't know that you could do it by just starting off as a busboy or whatever, like yeah. some very famous chefs. Um, I always felt like you had to go and get uh, schooling and stuff like that. Cause that's what they teach you. Yeah. 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 And a lot of the guys that you talk to in the kitchen usually do go to, to uh, culinary school. Um, that's that's interesting because lately a lot of the people that I know that went to culinary school are end up bartending because yeah. it's just better money. But you know the the funny thing is as is, is uh, studies have shown that um, you know and this is like taking it a little bit step further. But people that have uh, that tend to be alcoholics also have the, uh, also the same that tend to be um, uh, thrill seekers. So you're boxing, and and I'm not saying you're an alcoholic, but I'm saying like the the people. You wouldn't be wrong if you did. (laughs) (laughs) And and you know I'll be and this is talking about myself. Yeah. You know more than anything, Um, from my experiences, is is sort of like it. You you push yourself to those limits. Yeah. You know, oftentimes, and they found that you know genetically, they tend to be the, the the same people, and not just alcoholics, but actually addiction. Uh, yeah. In general, it's just that you find a different way to get there uh, whenever you become a, a thrill seeker. So people yeah. that are like bungee jumping, you know, uh, base jumpers, you know, all those extreme sports uh, tend to be the, the same. So there's a healthy way of doing it. And then there's the, <laughs> and then there's the other one. There's the other one. Um, <laughs> and, so and, it, but but I, I think that what we do also is is we learn how to throw the party for everybody. <laughs> Yeah, uh, entertaining and hosting uh, is definitely part of it. Um, for me, it's it's always been. For me, the 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 I, I've always looked at it as like something that creatives do. Or uh, definitely someone who's always in their head, um, yeah. is uh, because I, I I do feel like when I drink mezcal, it kind of opens up. Uh, you know, some people do the mushroom thing and microdose and that type of thing, and I'm not saying that I don't. But, uh, but it's, not, it's not my go-to. It's not my go-to. Uh, definitely drinking a little bit of mezcal, and then, yeah, there's people who smoke weed. But 
for me, there's something about uh, the, the liquid of mezcal that kind of opens up my creativity and also like I'm able to channel. Uh, 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 it, it may sound weird, but my ancestors um, and, and for me, it was always a very cerebral thing uh, rather than uh, like seeking the thrill, because if you know me on a personal level, uh, on, uh, on Instagram and, and uh, sort of a peripheral uh, level, I think that people may have one impression of me. Yeah. But uh, if you know me on a personal level, I am a homebody. I am a shut in and um, I am a very, very I'm a bore. <laughs> uh, uh, but uh, but I but I think it was something about the mezcal that allowed me to uh, push myself uh, towards being a little bit more of an extrovert. I guess that's a, the, the good way uh, or that's the nice way of saying that, uh, you know, this is liquid courage. <laughs> I, I, you know, I don't think that that people that are homebodies necessarily are boring. It's just that they're a different type of fun. Um, yeah. and, it, and like you said, it tends to be more cerebral um, yeah. in and whenever you notice. Well, whenever you have the courage to work on weaknesses, let's say things that, you know, maybe standing in front of a crowd is not your thing. Well, you know, bartending seems to be a thing that a lot of people use for that, right? Yeah. A, a profession that you can get paid while you're working on, on these skills that uh, don't come natural. Um, and and so I usually think those those make the most fun people in those situations because yeah. you have so much to offer in the moment. Yeah. But it's not like you can do it all day every time they see you. You know, like there's some people that every time you see them, they're just... They crack on. you up, right? They're on. Yeah, you know, they're fun to be around. They just, they, that's their energy. And I think then there's the others that you, you get inside your head and, and whatever. And to get away from your head, you, you want to be in the middle of a crowd and you let loose. And so you're just yeah. as fun. It's just in a completely different way. Yeah, um, uh, it, it's funny because uh, I, I guess I would equate myself to like the really good waiter who is at the table and says, you know, that we have uh, this panna cotta with blah, 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 blah. And if there's anything that you need, you know, I'm 100% there for you. How are you guys doing? Can I, oh, don't worry about it. I'm going to comp this glass. And then walks through the kitchen doors and goes, motherfucker, shit, shit. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I, I, I definitely have that duality. Yeah, and and for for the, this type of job, you you have to because yeah. uh, for me, I you know how people bring their personal life to work. For me, work was the way to just get away from that for a little exactly. while. Exactly. Uh, it was gonna be there. Is just let me just get away from it. Take care of some shit. Take care of some bills, right? Yeah. <laughs> while, hey, uh, while, that, I, while I'm at it, and then yeah, I'm gonna like go to and handle baggage uh, to work. No, you don't want to do that. Uh, but you know, it, it, knowing that uh, that balance. Because there's nothing worse than working with someone who brings their personal baggage to work, you know? Yeah. And it, it happens, but when it's every time, every shift, it, it becomes a thing. It's like, okay, you're either right. lacking maturity. it's not me, it's you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because it's like you're either lacking maturity or your your life is a mess. Yeah. And, and you need to focus on that, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, rather than, than to just go out there and let it out for everyone else to know all your business. And, and I was raised by uh, two uh, Mexican immigrants um, who knew the value of a dollar and, and the value of being in the United States, uh, the, the, the work that it took to be here, um, the work that it takes to stay here and survive. 
And um, I was, uh, you know, it, now um, I think uh, we, we're a little bit more in touch with uh, the importance of taking, you know, mental breaks and, and, and self-care. We know that now. Uh, yeah. I know that now. Um, and I, I do think it's important. I think do think it's important for companies to, to know that importance. But I don't ever see myself, I could probably never see myself just because of the way I was raised, going to my boss and saying, that's not, you know, within my pay grade and I can't do that. Oh, I've yeah. always been can do. Uh, and I think that that was just a product of uh, my parents. You know, they, they went through hell to get here. And, you know, yeah. what am I going to do? You know, take a, take a, a mental health break. Nothing that, there's nothing wrong with that. Absolutely. And, and, and there's often been times where I, I should have done that. But I, just the way I was raised, I just can't get through that. <laughs> I well, can't get that, to that level. Yeah. And plus, I mean, you were pursuing a profession where that doesn't exist. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Like you, you train, you train, you train, and then there's fight day. And yeah. that's all there's to it. That's just that's just the way it go. On that day, it's fight day. So yeah. it doesn't matter how you're feeling or for or, everything I've done. I mean, even bartending, I, you know, there's there's been there's been a bunch of times when I didn't want to go into my shift and I didn't feel necessarily uh, joyful or wanted to talk to people, but I I I, I knew how to uh, switch that off and kind of uh, because hospitality, right? It's yeah. not it's not about our problems, you know. We're there to take care of uh, other people, which, you know, I've also uh, talked to, uh, uh, had conversations with Ashton Berry, uh, uh -huh. who talks about the importance of. Um, body and mind budge budgeting, body budgeting, I guess, because okay. uh, when you're often pushing, you know, yourself away, then it can take an incredible toll on your body. And I've gone through that. But uh, there's something just about the way that we were, were raised, that just doesn't let us snap out of it and get into that next level where we can, I don't know, maybe I gotta it's, go to <laughs> it, it, Yeah, well, yeah, you and me both. I mean, yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> uh, the entire industry, man, is is uh, we do. in yeah. need of uh, of counseling. But put everybody think, in front of us. I think. Well, I think that it's uh, it's cultural, though. I mean, that's it's uh, this hemisphere has yeah. this thing about work, work, work. I mean, you look at Europe, and they they understand the value, and they're just as productive, right? That's, and yep. so it it proves that it is not about just work hard without any uh, any breaks. It's like you work hard, but you need those breaks in order to recharge. I mean, think about, and, I, and I'm sure everyone in the industry in particular can can relate, which is that first week after COVID or the second week, you know, when you got caught up on sleep, whenever you, you suddenly stopped worrying about, you know, am I going to pick up this shift? Now, for some people, depending on how, you, you know, and that's that's another problem we have in, in the industry, which is you spend the cash as you as you earn it. So I'm sure there are people stress on that. But if you weren't, if you had a couple of months of, of rent, yeah, then it becomes this thing to where you're like, holy shit. I mean, at least for me, it was because I was, you know, opened a, a bar in, in uh, last July. Yeah. And uh, it was go, go, go. I did bar five in, Jan in January and I did the uh, work study. So that was an insane week. You know, come back on February thinking I'm going to have a break. And it was busy. <laughs> and so whenever this happened, it took me two weeks of sleep before I woke up one day. And I'm like, wow, there's that guy again. Yeah. You know, that is not right. just the, you know, the worker bee. 
yeah it's it's yeah. uh it's it's really harsh on the uh, on the mental state because it buries who you really are because you have to be on it does um i i look at my cell phone every day and uh even through this COVID thing uh look at my cell phone every day and uh realize you know i have uh yeah you can't see it it's too bright let me see it let me put it down the way down yeah uh i have 252 and you know what it's not work it's it's my friends uh that's that's one thing that i i wish i could be better at is keeping up with my friends um because i think that that's what suffers uh you know obviously when you're work 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 your work doesn't suffer right uh, but but someone has to suffer when you're one yeah you're taking it away from something from, yeah. or from someone yeah so i i, w I wish i could uh, I, i could but you know and sometimes we take it for granted you're like ah well i'll see them next week or whatever but what if you don't You know, you know what what has uh, worked for me at times, and it's something that I go in and out of, but uh, something that I want to be able to do every day. It's just an hour a day. Yeah, just one hour dedicated to that one thing that you've been neglecting. Yeah, and it's amazing what you realize that you can get done and how it makes you feel with just one hour a day. Yeah, it's amazing, and it's a it's a discipline that you know, like I said, I wish I did it every single day. I don't, but yeah. every time that I do, it, it's like, wow, so that got done, or yeah. I was able to talk. And sometimes you think it's like, oh, I'll just hit up and talk to a few of my friends. You end up talking an hour with just one friend, yeah. but it's, you're like, wow, okay, that was way more satisfying than I had realized and how much they needed it as, as well as I. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it definitely, it, it, you know, sometimes that, that uh, spontaneous call, uh could mean the world to someone yeah yeah so uh you have all these hats right behind you and you always wear a hat yeah and i see that that you you work on these yourself right yeah uh, tell me a little bit about that i mean how, how did that because that's it that's a, a craft in oh. itself yeah um and so what is that all all about yeah so um i have a small brand uh family owned called pachuco supply um and we make custom hats completely uh from scratch um uh, 100 so so there's a difference between uh you know uh, a hat designer and uh a, a hatter a hatter is someone who makes the hat and sells it um a hat designer is someone who buys something from wherever And then, you know, puts the ribbons and the, the, the um, accents and, and the color scheme and all that stuff together. No, I, I make the hats completely from scratch. And uh, that sort of came from working with Ilegal. Um, I would travel to Oaxaca a lot and I met a hatter in Oaxaca. Um, I started buying, you know, a couple of his hats that he had uh, that he wasn't going to use because they were slightly damaged or whatever. And I would fix them up and then sell them. Um, but, uh, eventually, um, I just because of my personality figured I can make this from scratch. Why am I, you know, going to one person and going to another person? And I was like, let's cut all the middlemen. I'll do everything myself <laughs> because that's my, uh, that's my downfall, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> it's your DNA. It's in your DNA, man, to make it from scratch. 
um, so I, I, I learned how to make these hats and, um, and, uh, I started designing them and started incorporating some of the, uh, skills of my wife who was an incredible artist. She's from Puebla. Uh, she was raised in New York, Puebla, York. Uh, but, uh, but, uh, so I make all the hats and design them and she, um, adds branding to them wow. uh, by hand sort of like a tattoo type of thing. And, um, and so, we've been doing this for a couple of years, almost like uh, four years. So what is uh, branding? Is that like? Yeah, so like uh, essentially like a, um, a soldering iron, like a hot iron uh, shaped like a pen and then just burning into it and creating these details. So she's drawing with a, essentially with an iron. Yeah. Oh, yeah, wow. It's, it's, uh, it's, I guess, the best way or the closest thing to equate it to is like tattooing because, I mean, yeah. replacing skin for hair because this is rabbit hair. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's very cool, man. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. That is, that is for, for real, like a, a family business right there. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> so it's, it's my, uh, my wife and I and my cousin. Um, it's, it's just us three. And we started. We started in a small apartment in Borough Park, New York, Brooklyn, actually. Okay. Um, we were just, I had, you know, a small table and five or six hats that I was making. I started making them for my friends and some of my, my coworkers and um, they became popular. And, and now we have a whole website and the whole thing. So, wow. Uh, That's great. With, yep. That's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Um, Okay, because I I'd saw I I'd seen you always with the hat, yeah, and then I would see your videos, um, like you would post on Instagram or some of the photos, and uh, I you know I thought you were bringing them from from Mexico or that this was you know I was at first, yeah, uh, I was at first, and then so that's uh, that's now like one of the things that uh one of the things that i tell people like no 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 i actually uh, trust me i make them 100 here by myself um but uh but yeah that's that's one of the things that that um that i think can get lost in translation is when i first started for the first couple months um i was bringing hats that were already made and i was designing them um but uh just again my personality i wasn't gonna let that be the end of it um, I decided to start sourcing uh, rabbit felt, uh, rabbit fur felt from, um, uh, I think, I believe it's the Czech Republic, um, and started bringing that stuff down uh, directly. It's, it, it's uh, you know, just, it, it, it basically is just a hood of, of fabric. And then we, we uh, uh, block them. I'll actually show you right here. So, so are they always uh, rabbit? Uh, there's also beaver and there's wool. Uh, there's also some vegan options. Um, but for me, uh, the rabbit has always been very sacred to me. Uh, my father uh, passed away. His name, they used to call him Conejo. Uh, gotcha. I, I guess because he used to run really fast. I don't know what he was running from. but um, <laughs> <laughs> And so one of the first tattoos that I got uh, to as a memorial tattoo was a rabbit right here. And that was to, uh, it was a memorial for my father. So I always use rabbit. Um, and we use something like this. This is a wooden block. It's a vintage wooden block. This is actually one of the first tools that I got from the Hatter in Oaxaca. Okay. Um, uh, I was I was out there. I was visiting uh, some mezcal production. 
uh, actually uh, La Locura Mezcal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so I was visiting La Locura Mezcal, and I knew another guy. Uh, so my friend Oaxacan, uh, he's got a, a, a blog about um, lifestyle and, and culture of Oaxaca, took me to this hatter, and he actually gave me my first tool. And so what we do is wow. we get the, the, the raw fabric, and we put it over this thing, and that makes it the shape. And then we put all the, the creases and all the bells and whistles, all that stuff on it. But um, but yeah, 100% made by us. Wow, man, that's very cool, man. That that like I said, that, that's a craft in itself, right there. Yeah, that's, yeah, uh, and that's uh, another reason why I have so many gray hairs. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so tell me, um, I, I see you have the skull there behind you. Uh, yeah. What kind of ho- uh, Halloween traditions do you have? Uh, I don't. Ah, I don't. Um, I, I don't have many shit, man. You know, I, I, I am actually the worst with this with tradition. Yeah. Um, I don't have many, uh, holidays. I guess I'm such a pessimist that I'm always looking for something negative about the holiday. <laughs> like, well, Thanksgiving, uh, you know, the Christopher Columbus and the small pot blanket. So, yeah. so I always, it's, it, it's one of those things. Valentine's day was created by, um, <laughs> by merchants. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it, uh, much to the chagrin of my wife, <laughs> she, cause she, she does uh, celebrate those things. So uh, I think, um, as I raise my daughter, uh, I'll start to develop some of those, um, some of those traditions but for me personally i, I never had really any uh, tradition uh for dressing up or anything like that uh it was always one of those things that um a normal halloween uh, uh would be like me forced to put on a costume because uh for whatever reason i wasn't working a shift unless i was working a shift at a bar then yeah. i would be there uh, but if it wasn't, I would be forced to put on a costume and go out with my friends and we were single and just be at one bar. And it was kind of like the How I Met Your Mother uh, episode where <laughs> they're going, like, like New York uh, or I mean, I'm sorry, uh, New Year. And they're just trying to go to, oh, this party's better. This party's better. This party's better. And at the end of the night, like I didn't do shit. So um, uh, for me, right. that, that's why when I when, when I try to celebrate holidays, I kind of just do it at home. My wife just asked me, uh, what do you want to do for your birthday? And I was uh-huh. like, I, I want to stay home. <laughs> I don't want to have to get dressed up. I don't want to have to go to a restaurant and host a dinner. What have, so, so, so something I wanted to ask you, actually, and I know we are running out of time, but uh, something I wanted to ask you, what sort of feedback did you get about your post uh, about uh, media not paying attention to uh, Latinx uh, people? Uh, as much as they are for uh, other um, people. You know, it was, I don't know if you saw it, but I went back and forth with this one dude that kept trying to it, justify it, but it, he didn't have a, a dog in the fight. So, I, you know, I understood why he didn't see it, but he, the, what ended up happening, he just wanted to impose his his way. And, and really, um, it, it was just, it was a lot of support from the people that I know because it's sort of like no one is, is saying that. And then from the other people, it always becomes, well, what are you complaining about about nothing? And I think that we have that problem right now. Well, it's not right, but, but exactly. But to the person, it's like a lot of times with uh, female issues. A guy is like, yeah, but it doesn't really matter because you're making money, right? So if you have to wear a short, you know, a, a low-cut shirt, who cares? 
and 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 that's just the, the mentality of the guy. If I could do it, I would do it. Not un, not really having to live that. And so it, it's no, the same thing with people when it comes to to race. We could say the same thing. Oh, as, as a brown person, we get discriminated to a really dark skinned black person. And it's like yeah, but it's it's not the same because I can pass. A lot of times when people hear me speak Spanish, they're like, "Oh, you speak really good English." <laughs> or when I tell them I grew up in Puerto Rico, it's like you can speak really good English. And like, uh, it's better than yours. What are you talking about? <laughs> right. And so it it that's what I was seeing. But I, I what ended up happening is he wanted to impose that on on the entire community. And uh, and yeah. the other part, well, one thing that I seen that was that was really fucking annoying was, um, oh, well, this person did more for the community than what we're doing. And I'm like, you, I was, as I, I was gonna throw my cell phone up against the wall. I'm like, all right, uh, self-preservation motherfucker. Well, um, the thing about that is that what ends up happening is is exactly what you said, right? Like people gravitate towards what they, they think is uh, uh, appealing. Uh, I don't want to throw this person under the bus because they can give me a job in the future. Right, but what I'm saying is that the, the the problem is is the same thing that happens in restaurants and bars, right? If if white people are the ones that are coming in and spending money, then and white people don't feel comfortable around Latinos, then they're gonna hire and and not let in so many Latinos. They they'll, they'll structure it's like well, it's just business. Well, no, it goes beyond that because now it's culture, and that's where where the the problem is. And it happens in, you know, Latinos, too, where it's like, ah, what's the gabacho doing over here? <laughs> right. And and in certain yeah. uh, black bars, yeah, like, you know, right. is like, hey, you know, it's you, you must have gotten off the wrong stop. It, it... Um, I was uh, so in Atlanta, I, I actually used to work in a place called Cafe Circa on Edgewood. Uh, and I guess uh, people could call it a, a, yeah. a black bar, right? Um, it, it, it was a place that played jazz and all of that stuff. I've never been called white boy more more in my life. Um, and I'm like, no, yeah, I'm no. Mexican. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, I'm talking about you're not Mexican. Um, so, so I see that, but I, I also, I don't know, man. I, I think it's a shame. Uh, and I think that the the food media is complicit, like uh, Gustavo yeah. even said, um, in in being lazy and in telling the story. Because uh, Rancho Grande in um, in uh, Providence, uh -huh. Rhode Island, is a great mezcal bar, ran by uh, first generation Mexican Americans. And that could have been a great thing to do for Latinx hair. They get lazy. Uh, food writers are very lazy. Same thing. I've I've had that gripe here, and I've pointed out multiple times, where they'll they'll only do write uh, about the people that have publicists. So in 2015, for instance, it, every list had the same five, six, eight bartenders on it. Best bartender here, best bartender there. They all came from the same bar, right? And they were all the little cluster group you know uh the, the group of people yeah because you know there's a yeah and clicks. so and but they and they all shared publicists too it's like maybe like two people representing all of them yeah. and so the the food yes. writers would just get lazy and they wouldn't really go out there and talk to people and, and do the thing that what the articles are supposed to be which is discovery it's not discovery when when your publicist friend brings it to you and and just already digest it you know 
And, uh, yeah. and so I have issue with that. And, and I pointed out multiple times how I feel like we are the ones that need to do that kind of writing. Of course, it doesn't pay better than bartending. And then so if you're doing it while you're bartending, you're shooting yourself in the foot. So it's. Yeah, because it's, it's, it's that thing where you're like, oh, well, uh, you know, this uh, this magazine needs to be better and it needs to um, uh, have more uh, brown voices. And and for me, I'm like, well, you know, fuck that. Like, let's let's tell our own story. Right. Whenever you start having someone uh, someone else telling your story, then you're uh, subject to a lot of changes in what actually. Right. You're subject to their interpretation of what you're saying and their personal experiences are going to limit them. Um, and mm-hmm. so I think it's always more pure. I mean, it is. I don't, you know, it's it, we, we've seen it so many times that uh, when stories are told from the source, they're they're they have a much bigger impact. So from from all of that pushback, from all of the pushback that we've seen, uh, you and I, uh, do you think that things are going to change? Uh, not immediately, but do do are are things starting to? I'll change? I'll tell you straight up what I think. I think what's happened in the last four years is uh, very bad for us, because um, well. For us, immigrants in particular, because I think they're using right now that they're getting all these celebrity uh, uh, black celebrities, right, to go with the conservative side with Trump. Um, They're a buffer for attacking immigrants. Right. And so I think that the the real battle is going to be liberal against conservative in in a real sense. So it doesn't matter where you're from. That's why Lindsey Graham said it. And I've been using it a lot uh, in the last couple of episodes. Uh, of my podcast, which he says, it doesn't matter where you go in this state, he's talking about his home state, whether you're young, black, or, or immigrant, as long as you're conservative, not liberal. And so there's this hard division, but I think the easy target is always immigrants. And um, and I have had many experiences uh, here and in California, because I lived in California back in the 90s too, uh, which I noticed Orange County being conservative, like right off the bat, you know? And... Um, immigrants are going to be used as the target. And and I think that that makes it very dangerous for us if we are blasé, like we've been um, for, for a long time as a, as, a, as a group. I've always been outspoken. I've, I've lost quite a few jobs, about half a dozen jobs in the restaurant and bar industry for voicing my uh, concerns yeah. on things where, you know, they just weren't having it, especially in the 90s and early 2000. Like it was really overt. Um, and so, but I, I think that we have to be very, uh, diligent. So, uh, young bartenders who are listening to this, young people in the service industry that are listening to this and, um, uh, bar owners, people who are, are, are also, uh, I, I have friends who are immigrants, uh, whose status isn't even legal yet. And they're running bars and they're, they're putting cocktail menus together and cocktail programs, stand up for yourself you know, reach out and, and, and call shit out as you can, because, well, um, it's important, um, that, that we start doing that. We need right? to organize. I mean, there, there has to be an organized effort, right? So that, that was also, the, that was also one of the things is like, it, it is, um, uh, that whole old saying about crabs in a bucket, you yeah. know, everybody wants to be everybody in, in, uh, in, 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 uh, the, the cocktail world wants to be the only Mexican making mezcal cocktails. Right. right. Uh, and some people, no. and some people use that, 
You know, they they pin. Yeah, I'm the, yeah, I'm the Mexican making mezcal cocktails. Write an article about right, me. Right, right, and and <laughs> oh man, I, I got I got about an hour to talk about that because I feel like sometimes some people bartenders get lost in that. They write one article about them, and now it's like, oh, I made it. It it feels good. Yeah. Is I I save them right because my parents like to look at them. You know, it's it's nice sometimes to look back at what the stuff you've done, but that's not the end all. Right. I, I, to me, the end all is is uh, being able to walk anywhere in this country and uh, not feel like uh, I'm being watched. Right. For one thing. Uh, another thing where people are talking loud because maybe he doesn't speak the language or some dumb shit like that. And so it you know, the, <laughs> the craziest things have happened to me not very often, but they have often enough. And um uh, And I used to respond with the higher ground, and then I decided to respond more directly. You know, when you know people would say something stupid, I would just point, make sure that I highlighted that stupidity, and then let's move forward from there. Um, so, yeah. but but that's just that's just me being me. <laughs> um, yeah, no. And I think that it's just we need to create a um, an idea. What is it, man? Is it is it a uh, 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 Latinx uh, bartender association? How is it that that we're going to be able to get together and do what you're talking about? Because um, I know that there's some people that are trying and they're kind of like uh, mulling over the options of of creating some sort of bartender thing, uh, but they also don't want to be exclu They don't want to be exclusive. They don't want to exclude anyone. I'll tell you how you do uh, that. We need to pursue an idea. So it doesn't matter who we're around. We don't need to be just like an exclusive club of just the, only the Latinos can come here. That could exist to a degree also, right? That, that can exist. But if we're pursuing an idea, even whenever we're amongst others, then we start to change people's minds. I don't like stereotypes. People try to give, pin stereotypes on me. I immediately go towards it in the things that I say and do that are, not, that are suddenly going to shock them a bit. Right. And sometimes it's just as simple as speaking Spanish. Sometimes it's using big words, you know, that that fucking hundred dollar word sometimes <laughs> is 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 uh, referencing. You must not know to rectify the situation. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm just kidding, so, I'm But, you know, sometimes it is referencing an idea or an author or something like that, that they don't ever they, they themselves can't grasp because I want to break that idea they have of me that it's unfair. It's unfair to me. It's unfair to, to them. Right. It, yeah. In the sense that they're walking around the world. So and I say that because most of the people that I've met uh, that have that uh, mentality have been open once I do the, that kind of stuff. Half of them have not. Half of them I just get mad. <laughs> I think that another part of that is is, is getting uh, getting uh, Latinx bartenders Uh, to want to strive for a little bit more. One conversation that I had was um, a friend of mine who works for um, a large hospitality company in Los Angeles. And uh, he's an immigrant. And he said, I didn't, I, I never wanted to become a bartender because I was scared of touching the money and I was scared of 
touching the computer and I didn't want to work on that. I didn't want to talk to the customer because I was scared. And I, I just, you know, and, and, you know, and I understand how someone can be an 11 year bar back. Um, but, but I, but I told that person, but you are a badass fucking bartender and you are an example and you are someone who goes around the country and trains people now for this hospitality company. Yeah. And and what was the difference between you and that 11-year barback? It's someone was pushing you to become the next thing, right? Or, or the, the next bartender. So I think that uh, obviously uh, people who are employers need to, uh, need to uh, create that environment where they're pushing people to uh, uh, get a better position, which who knows if that'll happen. But also we need to be open and not afraid to touch the computer. And, yeah touch the money and, and talk to the customer and that gets, that that is cultural that gets, we, we get taught that uh really early you know don't do those things because you don't want to get blamed for it and I, you yeah. know it's funny that you bring that out because i've had multiple uh situations like that to where i'll tell you know I'll, I'll empower them right and then because the person touched the money manager comes out and they're like oh well you owe us and i'm like whoa he touched the money he touched the money and so did he so how do you know it was him? That's the reason why I say it, yeah. that I'm the one that gets fired yeah. you know, or put in that short yeah. list really quick because yeah. I was the one that would point that shit out. And I'm talking about way yeah. before PC was what it yeah. is today. And, um, and, and, that's, and you, you have to take that kind of stance. Like you have to make that decision. That's why I feel like it's, we have to pursue an idea. What is that idea? I'm not entirely sure yet, but it has to be something lofty right that we're constantly pursuing and for that they can't pigeonhole us right that's why i'm i'm i hate that latinos are going for trump i understand conservatism him not so much right because he he yeah. embodies uh, so many uh, negative latinos, things Latinos uh, uh do have some conservative values yeah uh, my family the way i was raised has some conservative values uh but you're right i i, I don't understand the trump thing and so I think that, uh, you know, I, I, fortunately, I'm, I'm usually now in the position that I'm able to empower my staff, especially Latinos that have that kind of mentality, my barbacks, you know, the guys that come and clean and they're like, oh, I'm just a lowly guy. And I'm like, no, 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 <laughs> you know, like, like, come here, let's, let's, you, you, you know, let's eat, you know, and, and, and I'll do the little things, man, which is like, I'll serve them, you know, at yeah. the end of the night, I'll open the beer and, you know, get handed to them. I, I'll serve them. And those little gestures, man, go go a really long way because it's like I said, it's it's we're taught to not get involved because then we're going to get blamed. <laughs> yep. Uh, that the, you just described my whole fucking upbringing. <laughs> right. Right. And so. No te metes en que no te importa. Exacto. Yeah. <laughs> Así, siempre. Y, y eso es. All of all Latino America, like that saying, yeah. any Latino understands exactly what it means, and he, they can hear it in their own, in their mother's voice. Oh <laughs> fuck! Yeah, there's that. There, there's that. Someone just posted the 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 video of of the old lady going. Bueno, bueno, bueno. ¿Y tú por qué te metes en lo que no te importa? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, when I seen that, I was like, oh my God, that's my whole life. That's my whole childhood. It's like, yes, um, I'm not going to, you know, ah, fuck it. You know, like that, that's happening over there. I'm not going to get involved. 
But no, we have to. We have to stick up for each but other. But listen, right? that's the, exactly the reason why we we are second class citizens, right? We haven't gotten involved enough in this in the in the political climate because it's been always white and black going back and forth, as far as I can remember, right? And yeah. so we get caught in the middle because we could be blanquito, we could be negrito, you know, we could yeah. be conservative, we could be liberal. And depending where people are coming from, they could be coming from a socialist uh, uh, country. They could be coming from a right-wing yeah. dictatorship. So, you know, they, their values are can be extreme also. And so we don't get involved. And now here we are caught in the middle again. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and we, we need to just really just um, put ourselves out there. And it's, it, and it's yep. you know, it, it's not without risk. I'll say I'll, I'll say that. Uh, and and the, the, there's another saying that, that that they say a lot in in, in Mexico is "Pa qué te vas tan lejos?" You know, like why why are you trying to reach? You know, like uh, this shit starts with us here at home in our life and our job. So if we, if we see this type of thing going on, like if I see this type of thing going on in the mezcal community, then I'm gonna start to speak up a little bit. And or if I see something going on in the bartending community, well then we're gonna have to say something. And that's what I want to encourage all of the younger dudes who are coming up. Because um, uh, quickly, we are getting more representation. Yeah. Uh, we are still very underrepresented, but uh, it's getting yeah. better. Yeah, I think that here's one thing for the younger bartenders is sometimes saying something, calling something out can easily start with a question. Because when you ask someone to justify what they just did that you see as, as you know being wrong to you or someone else, just asking that question suddenly makes it clear that what they did is obvious right now they have to justify it to themselves and sometimes you'll, you'll be surprised how people can just completely change their tune in that they didn't even realize they were doing it sometimes you're yeah. going to have people that are just going to tell you to fuck off and mind your own business but that's that then that's how you know who's who but it starts with the question you know why'd you yep. do that why'd you think they did it you know, how come, uh, you know, he's always, you know, and I have that with bus boys too. It's like, oh, you be careful because, you know, he's, we have cash. And it's like, yeah, <laughs> you know, he's been, he's, 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 and, you yeah, know, I, know, I just I saw these people walk back there and, and be careful. He's, brown. yeah, yeah, <laughs> brown and young, you know. Right. So uh, it starts with a question uh, a lot of times. Well, I'm glad we touched on that, man, because I think that that's really important. Um, and, and in us, um, uh, one of my one of my. Uh, for me, one of the most important things is to not get uh, to not become the uh, the one uh, uh, Mexican who's making mezcal cocktails. Uh, because I went through that when I first started bartending, I was like, "Oh no, you know, like, oh, I'm not gonna teach them how to make that syrup and yeah. shit." I'm like, fuck that, man! Like, I'm gonna put the syrup on Instagram and I'm gonna tell you exactly how to make it because who cares? Because if I'm more than one recipe, you know, exactly. I'm I'm more than one syrup. Um, you know, if 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 I if if we're worried about the person who's gonna steal that one syrup, then shit, man, we have bigger problems. Um, let's help each other out. Let's repost. You know, let's repost. Oh, this vato over here is doing some fucking badass shit. Let's do that. And I think that that's gonna help us out a lot too. Well, 
you know, and and actually that's that that brings up something else, which is uh, when you when you hold back on, on that kind of stuff, and it, it people have different comfort levels, right? Like you said, I used to yeah. do that too, because I also saw the people that were getting a lot of the attention stealing stuff from other people. But the the thing is, is you also pigeonhole yourself. So you're saying like, I'm just this recipe now. And I'm just, yeah, I'm the, yeah. and so once you start to think, it's like, no. I'm the only person who used Tahin. Right, <laughs> right. But, but, but even think about it, like, it's like, okay, so I'm just going to be doing that thing. What about, you know, becoming a brand ambassador? What about becoming, yeah. you know, uh, a rep? Or all the other, you know, alcohol, liquor, it's a multi. You need more Mexican uh, uh, brand ambassadors for mezcal companies. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. It's like, it's a multi-billion dollar industry. It does not run <laughs> on a handful of bartenders, right? It runs on a lot yeah. of different levels. And depending on what people are talented at, is like... Yeah, you're not going to just be the bartender who's making the one great cocktail with that mezcal. There's a lot of things that you can yeah. do. Yeah. Um, and so I, I think that that's whenever you hold back that tightly, you, you're holding yourself back and you pigeonhole yourself. You know, you're just the tajin guy. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I was a tahin guy for a while. <laughs> I'm the anti tahin guy. I'm like, why? They're always asking I, me for I, it. I worked. I worked with a chef once, and I was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna put some tahin." They're like, "You're gonna do what?" <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I've I've gone through through a, a range of uh, of uh, of styles in in pursuing. Yeah you know like what is this all about right and yeah. once you figure it out you realize well shit i mean nobody can take it away at this point because it's a matter of of understanding it how simple it is yeah you know understand the three ingredient yeah. cocktail and then add shit to it is that simple you, you know what one of my favorite political artists political cartoon artists uh lalo alcaraz uh, in a conversation that I had with him yesterday, said specificity is uh, universality. Uh, so uh, he only does Mexican, Mexican American cartoons, okay. right? And uh, people would always push him to do stuff outside that more Latino based, uh, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, and every time he did that, it was a big flop. Uh, every time he was very specific to what he is, it was a hit. And that's what I always tell uh, some of the young bartenders out there is do exactly what you were raised on and what is you. Make me a Gilbert Marquez cocktail. You know, don't, uh, oh, you know, I'm going to do a last word and I'm going to, you know, get this uh, tincture and blah, blah, blah. No, when I make a cocktail, I'm going to get fucking, um, uh, um, uh, what do they call them? Uh, uh, Mazapan <laughs> and and make an orjat out of the mazapan oh, and wow. I'm going to mix it with mezcal. You know, that's what that's what you're going to do and that is what's going to make you uh go out to the other level is just being very specific to who you are because trying to be universal and trying to make everybody happy is futile. Futile, yeah. right? I mean, uh how are you going to make everybody in the world happy? No, it's better to just have a little bit of fun and do something that is very, very important to you and very specific to who you are and your upbringing. I think that's the way to um, to to sort of represent yourself within uh, the Latinx uh, bartending culture and, and, and still represent yourself. I, you know, I was watching uh, Quentin Tarantino talk about directing and, and writing movies, yeah. and he says 
he's talk. I guess he's talking to a crowd of students, and he's like, you know, the movie that you think should have been made, you need to make it. You know, every time you look at you look at a movie and you think it should have been done this way, well, you're the one who needs to write it, and you're the one who needs to who who needs to make it. Because yeah. only Same you can tell that story from that angle, right? Because whenever you see something that that reminds you, you know, that that relates to whatever the subject is, you see it specifically that way. It's the same thing when people say uh, uh, liquor dot com. You need to write more brown stories. It's like, well, just like let's write our own stories. Yeah, yeah. I think that that uh, um, starting to develop a, a media company uh, that focuses on it. Uh, it's a, a lot of smart people out there in the liquor industry. Let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, we were supposed to be done about 45 minutes. Ago. I know. I thought, that, I thought the zoom was going <laughs> to cut us off. I was like, all right. <laughs> I'm glad I, I, I asked you that question though, because uh, I, I, I think that uh, all of those things are important to say. I, I believe that, that we're in, we're, this is an important uh, not just election, but this is an important moment for the Latinos because this is also an issue that, uh, again, other communities, they're once or twice removed from their, their oppression. And I think uh, Latinos are not. Not whenever you, you're close to the community of immigrants. And frankly, what I'm starting to tell people now is like every single European in this country is an immigrant or descendant of an immigrant. So for them to start and pointing fingers is bullshit because there isn't there wasn't a single european in this continent just a few hundred years ago the first nation right and so yeah. you know to come and 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 start to uh, oppress uh first generation immigrants here it's it's just it's just an easy target and that's what i'm saying we have to make ourselves a much harder much more difficult target than what we are right now and by not getting involved we're just making it way too too easy and and we need yeah. to somehow come up with the idea it has to be an idea because the idea transcends everything so it's not one person it's not one leader it's the idea it is the idea yeah i mean ruben blades if you you know ever listen to him like that's that was his thing and this is incredible recording of of some of his greatest hits from back in the 70s and um you know he's is uh you know he, he always talks politics and he makes that point pretty clear is like you know the human dies but the idea doesn't the idea persists and that's uh critical yep. yep so well um i'll be ordering a hat pretty soon <laughs> probably end up giving it to my fiance <laughs> let's do it <laughs> that, that might happen too <laughs> yeah because i'll wear it for a little bit and and yeah. then i'm like uh, well because you know it's, it's like where am i gonna put it and like you know i don't have those manners <laughs> you know whenever i walk inside like i don't have those manners of like you know <laughs> but uh I appreciate you. Yeah, I appreciate you too, man. Gracias por todo. And uh, honestly, um, I'm really happy to have uh, done this. I'm really happy to um, uh, know you and, and to follow you on social media because I think that what you said and what you did when all of this started breaking 
was an inspiration for me and also an inspiration for a lot of people. I do see a lot of people trying to uh, trying to step up their game and 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 uh, and, and and creating um, uh, platforms. So uh, thank you for that. You're welcome. Uh, yeah, uh, I appreciate you acknowledging that. Um, uh, and I'll say one last thing on that is that uh, you know we've been really divided and people have been driven by hate. And I say on both sides because it's like people hate Trump. They want to vote him out, right? And and my thing is find a, a reason that you love to achieve the same objective because it goes a lot further. And and without and, and do it without judgment because people are going to be more willing to, to listen, but you're going to have the, the energy and, and to be able to do it for a really long period of time. And we got a long, long road ahead. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, primero Dios, we're going to be living for a long time. So, uh, you know, why live with that hate? Yeah. Uh, why, why, why live with that anger towards other people? Um, I think that there is uh, something important about uh, contacting our relatives who are voting for Trump uh, or contacting our relatives who are doing uh, certain things that we don't necessarily agree with and have a conversation. Correct. Not gonna, maybe not going to convince them, but uh, open up the table, sit down and have, have dinner with them or break bread with them because uh, that's more important than anything. I don't like Trump, uh, but I don't hate Republicans. Uh, no, I mean, and, and so I think that that's where that, you know, like uh, you get you get into that. What about ism of like uh, you don't like Donald Trump? Well, what about Biden? I'm like, well, what the fuck about Biden? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I don't like Biden either, but I fucking voted for him. I don't like him. Uh, yeah, but, but he, you know, I just he, he hasn't he hasn't spent uh, the, the entire campaign trail insulting people the way that it happened in 2015. Right and through through 2016, yeah. so that that's that's one aboutism <laughs> on the other side. Uh, but I I think that we we need to find the the reasons that uh, inspire us the the most to do the right thing, because otherwise we're yeah. gonna burn ourselves out and uh, we're gonna start making the wrong decisions. Um, hate, stress, and all of this stuff, negative energy, um, causes cancer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean it, it definitely takes the years away it it and it takes uh, it takes the richness you know and of life talk about like resilient how many immigrants latino immigrants do you know that just they don't make that much money their fucking job is hard they but you just you just catch them for five minutes in between something and you, you they'll crack a joke or you can crack a joke and they'll laugh they won't be bitter my dad would sleep through earthquakes and say, ah, see, me muero, me muero. <laughs> you know, like, I'm good. I'm comfortable. Por fin estoy acostado. At the end of a long day, at least I'm laying down for a fucking little bit. There's a little earthquake going on around me. That's fine. If my dad was alive now, he would be like, ah, es puro pinche pedo para pantallar a la gente. You know, it's it's all bullshit at the end of the day. I, tomorrow, one thing is for sure, I'm going to strap on my fucking construction boots and I'm going to go to work. You know, why, you know, uh, let that, you know, I, I, I do think that being politically active and, and, and all that stuff is very important. But at the end of the day, we're going to wake up tomorrow and we're still going to live life. Let's not hate each other. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, we, we have to make a stand at the same time. Uh, we have yeah. to... 
I, I believe that is better. That's duality. Both things can be Correct. true. Exactly. And that's it's it's a higher level of thinking. And we need that in our community right now because it's like I can be an American through and through yeah. and I can still be a Latino. Right. Yeah. Because, you know, it's yeah. it's uh, again, I grew up in Puerto Rico. We're we're you're citizens. You know, we, we have that that we, we made that deal. We paid <laughs> in blood uh, for that. So so we have that. So my my mentality was always like that. It was just that when I came here that all of a sudden I couldn't be both to some people, right? Some people were fine with it. You're from a different country, right? You're from Puerto Rico. Yeah, and people didn't even know where Puerto Rico was. These, these people didn't even know where Puerto Rico was. But it was like, no, you, you can't be both. And I'm like, yes, I can, right? Yeah. And that duality, it's uh, we have to, it, it's innate in us, yeah. right? And so we have to just accept it, live it, and uh, make sure that the uh, people know It's their choice to accept it or not. I'm not going to force anybody to accept it, but I'm not going to hide it. Yep. You know? Well, salute to that. Cheers. Well, listen, man, we need to get together uh, again, uh, whether it's uh, online, offline uh, with this yep. and, uh, and work on, on some ideas to, yep. uh, to just put out there. And, and see and, yep. and see what works, but to start to organize something that um, is is going to show what we're all about. Absolutely, 100%. Count me okay. in. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you, my friend. Thank you. You David. have a great night, and um, we'll talk soon. Gracias. Gracias a ti. Igual. This week, I bring back our friend. Matt Carizales. He's uh, out there doing the good work within the culinary uh, world. Um, he's got his uh, pick three of the week. So let's go ahead and uh, grab a listen. So what do you got uh, for us uh, this week? Because last week, I think those those were bangers. Um, oh, yeah, absolutely. Nothing but bangers. That's what I try and bring every time. All right. We we uh, have this conversation, but I definitely got some things that I want to highlight. Some people are doing some really good stuff, just great food. Uh, first so, up, I've got Panda Taco. This is one of my all-time favorites. They make the absolute best tortillas in the world, and they're right here in Houston. Really? They've been doing their pop-up thing for a few years now, and they have partnered up with Grand Prize. So oh! Grand Prize isn't open yet. They have that great kitchen in the back, and they have invited um, the owners of Ponte Taco to come in there and sell food on the weekends. So these guys have really taken ownership over that, and they are also partnering up with other pop-ups um, in the Houston area that have, that they've worked with in the past to give them a spotlight and give them an opportunity to make a little bit of cash. So they've got Umbrella Fellows, everybody's favorite burger, uh, downtown staple. You guys know them from the Montrose. They're all over the place. Haven't seen them too much lately, but you'll be able to see them Monday nights, I believe six to midnight out of the kitchen at Grand Prize. Oh, wow. Uh, you can order online and pick up curbside. Um, grand prize is not open, so you got to get it to go. Um, they've also partnered up with Somos Semillas, probably my all-time favorite vegan pop-up here in Houston. Mm -hmm. They're doing some really good stuff. And I say vegan, it is vegan, and they are very dedicated 
but it belies the deliciousness of the food. The deliciousness of the food stands alone, vegan or not. It is a banger. Really? I tell you, I went to a vegan uh, restaurant when I was in New York uh, last year. And, um, oh shit, no, that was this year, <laughs> January. Anyways, um, and it was, uh, I, I, it took me a minute because I didn't realize that it was a vegan restaurant. I just went there with some friends and then, uh, I had to wrap my head around that because for me, vegan food is, is always missing something, but I was wrong because it was one of the best, it was a Tex-Mex and it was one of the best nachos that I've ever had. Like that black bean dip or whatever. The, the way they set it up, I can't even tell you everything that was in it, but it was incredible. Yeah, uh, that's one of those things that I love just being absolutely surprised by. So one of the things that these guys that Somos are doing is a uh, Jamaica asado. So it's a Florida de Jamaica, hibiscus flour, done with asado seasoning. So kind of like a, like carne de trompo, but completely vegan. And it, man, it has this texture, it's filling, it's flavorful, it's beautiful, and really, yeah, the color striking, and they're doing different things, they've done tortas, they've done empanadas, yeah, absolute heat, definitely check wow. them out, Okay. of course, Umbrella Cellas, if you gotta get your meat fix, and Panda Taco, man, I cannot say enough about these guys, they've been killing it for a while now. So are they just making the uh, tortillas? They're making tortillas. Uh, you can. They do some staples. You can get their green sal- uh, salsa to go as well. They do meat by the pint. So their taco lineup, I think, is pollo asado, barbacoa, um, avocado is their vegan option, and I'm blanking on the pork right now. But they have okay. a pork option as well. So um, yeah. And those are those are tortillas yeah. made with those flavors. So no, they're actually they're making tacos, but the tortillas okay. is, is just kind of their signature thing. They're just gotcha. the perfect elasticity. They make them handmade to order. Um, yeah, that's one of my favorite things. Back pre-COVID, going to get tacos from these guys, and they're actually just you know doing yeah. it the old school way with the masa right there. You every know, order, banging out fresh tortillas. You know what I found that I really like? Uh, H E B. Uh, the greatest supermarket in, in, in all of the U.S. Uh, is, uh, has a corn and flour tortilla. Oh, the, the, yeah, the, the half and half. Man, I love those things. Well, these, will, these are all corn, and they'll, I think they'll bring you back over. I think they'll bring you back to the light. Well, no, no, no. I, I like, I, I, no, I love corn tortillas, but the texture is not always right for me. Right, and so that's why I I always I almost always other than breakfast tacos I'll order corn, breakfast tacos I like flour. I was flour. just gonna say it's all about the application, and for me like breakfast tacos have to be flour yeah. every time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so this has the a bit of the flavor of the corn tortilla that I love, but the the elasticity like you said I mentioned earlier, and uh, like the texture the way it holds up, it's like a flour tortilla, but it's not as doughy as flour tortillas uh, can be. I, I, I really like them. I, you know, it might not be a purist uh, thing, but they're delicious. And so now you really want to, now I'm really curious and I want to try these out. If uh, if you feel there's going to, if you've had the ones, that, the half and halves, and you say this is going to bring me to the light, then I definitely got to have it. 
Awesome, man. Yeah, get out there, check them out. They're there every weekend at Grand Prize. So this one is a very, very kind of a secret banger. So there's this little old lady that pops up here in Northside at the corner of Lorraine and Chapman, Fridays and Sunday nights only. She pulls out her, like, gigantic, like, barbecue wood-fired grill, makes tortillas uh, to order also, and she does tacos, gorditas, and frijoles. And since it's done over this, like, wood-fired grill, it's, like, this smokiness. The griddle is just, like, caked and just, like, generations worth of, like, meat juice and grease and just perfectly seasoned. And the gorditas get this, like, crunch as the cheese oozes out and the oil just kind of fries that tortilla. They are stupid good. (laughs) And beans are, like, probably 50% pork, 50% bean. Oh, wow. Just, yeah, done the old the old way <laughs> with some really good spice, too. Uh, nothing actually, vegan about this one? Nothing vegan about this one, man. I'm sure <laughs> every, there's, like, some kind of meat product in every step of the process, I assure you. Oh. But, yeah, she is killing it, man. This is one of my favorite things and where she's at in it? the world. So, near Northside... Uh, the corner of Lorraine and Chapman across the street from this like bodega. Okay. Okay. And it's Friday nights and Sunday nights only. So if you are in the north side, even if you're not in north side, it is absolutely worth a special trip. It's uh, good people watching as well. The hood comes out because all the real ones know, man. It's uh, You'll see all kinds of old schools. You'll see people that have grown up in the neighborhood. And then you've got new new people coming in just like me <laughs> but it is one of the most killer bites and it's like you're cheap too the gorditas are like four bucks each plus you get the the cup of frijoles is a dollar wow okay yeah, plus you got you got some good bars up there too oh man it's right down the street from rabbit's got the gun probably one of my favorite bars in the city right now and also not too far away from monkey's tail just got a ton of like national recognition and they're absolutely killing it too yeah for sure man yeah yeah. that sounds man Northside is coming up really nice yeah we've got some new stuff and then we've got the old school bangers to keep everybody happy (laughs) all right so what else you got all right, going down the list, I definitely want to give a special mention to my favorite coffee roaster in Houston, Shayla. Doing some really big stuff out in Second Ward. Absolutely killing it. Always killer beans. Yeah. The branding on their stuff is really cool. There, Yeah, it's a great spot if you haven't been yet. Check it out. Uh, they just started doing a dirty chai to go already pre-made where the... Uh, uh, spices are allowed to settle and me- like marry for 48 hours uh-huh. before they sell it. Uh, it is stupid good. Yeah, they're off of uh, Canal and Eastwood, I think. But uh, they've also got they've been hosting some really cool pop-ups. I haven't been able to get out there, but they've been doing they've been partnering with some people that are doing some cool food. So I'll have to maybe wake up before noon one day and <laughs> get out there. Well, yeah, I usually miss them because their hours are, are too short. Uh, for me, anyways, they're, they're early morning hours. Well, so I run into the same problem, but now um, I guess since COVID happened, they're staying open a little bit later, so they'll stay open until about four, I believe. 
So I've been able to make it right when I wake up. Okay. (laughs) Those bar hours are hard to get rid of, man. (laughs) Oh, man. I've been nocturnal my whole life, man. It just took me a while to find a job that works with it. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's, that's most of us in the industry. So, uh, you got any more uh, food spots? I do. I've got one more for you. So, this will round, round out my top three. This one is also super affordable. It's a little bit further out. It is on Hillcroft in 59. Uh, a lot of people know that area as the home of Himalaya or Himalaya. Yeah. Um, this is the, in the exact same shopping center just next to London Sizzler. It is called Masala Munchies. They, are, they make a whole bunch of... Uh, Indian snack food, sweet and savory, and they also have a really banging little menu. They make the absolute best samosas in the world. They make uh, these betis, which are kind of like potato balls. What are, what are samosas? Oh, so it's going to be like a mixture of potato, uh, mushroom, onion, sp- spiced, and then wrapped in pastry and then deep fried. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, and of course the Indian spice blend is just so savory and so deeply beautiful and just a touch of heat. Not gonna bloat and like melt your face off, but my favorite things to get there. So again, kind of like a spiced vegetable dumpling wrapped in pastry or dough and then deep fried. Super affordable. Uh, everything's a dollar, two dollars, and then they also do a masala spiced popcorn, which is. One of the most delicious things in the city of Houston. It is absolutely worth driving all the way out to 59 in the Hillcroft just for this masala spice popcorn. Like, it's one of those things you open the bag and it is a sufficient <laughs> task to stop yourself from just downing the entire thing. Yeah, that's not, that's not then a good recommendation for COVID world, man. Like, you know, between that and Netflix... <laughs> Absolutely, man. <laughs> Go out to the solid munchies, stock up on some snacks, and then just wrap yourself in a blanket and yeah, and, for the next 12 hours. Yeah, and now we got these uh, cold snaps happening. Oh, I am here for it, man. This is, this is big boy weather. I love it. <laughs> All right. Um, so then, uh, yeah, you were telling me about the, the Chella chai why don't we go back to that for a second because i love uh chai latte and especially a dirty chai um, dirty chai is my thing too man but but i find them that they normally in they, they lack balance right because between the, the 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 chai spices and then the bitterness of coffee and the way that they put in most places put them together they tend to have like too much of a punch you know, between the, the, the flavors of the coffee, the spices, and, and, the, and the, the bitterness, it just, it, it, they, they, I like them, I still enjoy them, but I had to pull back after a while because I, I was starting to notice that I, I was just making that, nearly doing that bitter old man face. Too much bitterness, huh? Are you switching to cold brew? Have your hands softened up a little bit, old man? <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> No, um, I, yeah, I like it. I usually go dirty chai, uh, <laughs> two double shots, so. Wow, okay, yeah. damn. So uh, you're in the opposite of me. <laughs> exactly. 
Well, I, I, I think my, my my daily rashes of Amaro have dropped to nearly nothing, so my palate is changing. There you go. Yeah. What is it? Every sixty days, all of your taste buds change. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it depends how often you burn them, and that depends on uh, <laughs> your uh, <laughs> on your pizza delivery. Uh, uh, or, or actually, not even pizza delivery these days. It's just your uh, your DiGiorno. Not today, not today. Uh, <clears throat> all right. Um, what else you got? Man, that's pretty much it. Um, okay. I've been kind of looking forward to a restaurant opening that's going to be kind of in between your your place and mine. It's going to be over there on Navigation, Acadian Coast. So they've gotten some publicity. The chef's going to be uh, J.P. Gaston, everybody's favorite Frenchman. Yeah, really? And I believe they've got Greg Starks running the beverage program over there. Oh, okay. Yeah, so we got some familiar faces. And uh, from what I've seen online, it looks like it could be a, a banger. Really? So Navigation. What the price point looks like. Yeah, I believe right over there by next to like Infos, I think is what I heard oh yeah 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 yeah. there's actually a coffee shop over there that I want to check out they were also closed when I went by the last time a few weeks ago but that little area where Ninfas is and they where they put the median with for the uh, weekend market is uh, is looking really good and um, they're doing it it visually looks like the neighborhood <clears throat> What I hope that doesn't have that won't happen is that the businesses will be all non-neighborhood, you know, people that are not from the neighborhood, people who are just capitalizing on on the uh, on the that new wave that is coming through, because I already saw that happen in, in the Heights and in the Montrose, and it's uh, it's pretty shitty. Yeah, I think, and what happened with Montrose is you had so many kind of like out-of-town chains. You've got the snoozes, the Shake Shacks of the world all yeah. piling in. And it's got that big developer money, and they're the only ones that can really afford to get in that neighborhood now. And it's sad, man. That neighborhood is just a shell of what it was. Yeah, it, it is. It be a real, like, heart of the creative culture in Houston, and it's, it's a ghost. Man, it's so sad to see. But Houston survives, man. It... It's constantly changing. We're a very dynamic city. I think that's kind of what what's going to make Houston sh- what makes Houston shine, kind of on the national scene. I totally We're agree. Ever changing, ever evolving. Um, oh and, wow! I didn't, I didn't know that. I was not yeah. Aware. For those of you who don't know, Ham, check out Ham. Uh, is the Harrisburg Arts Museum, I believe, and is basically this guy has this uh warehouse that has uh, garage doors maybe about eight on each side or something like that eight or ten and he um gets artists to do murals on these uh on these uh garage doors that rotate some of them have been there for a really long time some of them have rotated out and and some of those have been super amazing so it it to see that place already diminishing (laughs) into something else is really painful to watch because it's one of those things that that is random because it's got an enormous parking lot around it and it's got all these huge murals all one next to one another 
and you would just drive by and you see this random thing that is beautiful and and at the same time is an old ass building with garage doors it's amazing we'll have to check it out appreciate you uh giving me the uh, update uh on where to go next for my to go yeah. and next week if we uh if we can uh, uh let's do pizza <laughs> that reminds me, I promised you cheese man. But yeah. Alright, if I'm going to air somebody else's dirty secrets, I'll air mine too. Alright. We'll do that next time. Pizza and cheese man. Okay, alright. Then we'll do it next time. <laughs> alright, man. I appreciate you having me. Always a pleasure talking to you, brother. Always a pleasure, man. Of course, and you bring back the culture war. Here is Lindsey Graham's final pitch to the voters of South Carolina. Take a look. I want every young woman to know there's a place for you in America if you're pro-life. If you embrace your religion and you follow traditional family structure, that you can go anywhere, young lady. That's right, ladies. If you want to be a part of society, if you want to be accepted, if you want to be accepted in society, Barefoot and pregnant, standing in the kitchen, making food. I just wanted to close out with that just so you wouldn't forget what conditional freedom sounds like. If you have a smart device, you can listen on Alexa. Um, You can ask for the Open Bar experience. Also, we have our own website, which is openbar.space. You can check us out also on your favorite app, whether it's iHeartRadio, TuneIn, uh, Stitcher, or Apple Podcasts. Check it out, the open bar experience. Remember, take care of yourself, take care of each other, and keep the conversation going.